You're listening to the Art of Parenting podcast. I'm your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel. Welcome and thank you for joining me. I created this podcast along with everything I do at yourparentingmentor.com to support and inspire you to be the best parent you can be. I know for a fact and from experience that parenting was never meant to be done alone. From conception to preschool, my mission is to give you the tools, strategies, and knowledge to embrace and elevate your parenting experience. I'm dedicated to supporting, inspiring, and guiding you to nurture your child's immense potential with as much joy and ease as humanly possible. Make sure to take time to check out all of the resources I have gathered for you in the show notes, as well as on my website, yourparentingmentor.com. And be sure to get on my email list so you do not miss a single episode and other products and events I curate specifically for you. And please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions, concerns, or feedback. A warm welcome to you and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome back to The Art of Parenting. This is your host, Jeanne-Marie Penel, and today I have Todd Adams with us. I have followed Todd for many years. Him and his wife have a wonderful uh, podcast that they do together, and today Todd is going to talk to us about masculinity, which I'm really looking forward to. So welcome, Todd, and thank you for making the time to be with us today. Thank you so much for having me. So I always like to start with having my guest define what the art of parenting means to them. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, I love the fact that you call it the art of parenting versus the science of parenting because it is an art and there's so many different ways of going about raising healthy uh, young people to turn into healthy older people and have a positive impact on this world. For me, one of my, I've been doing the podcast with Kathy for about 13 years and there's these parents are always asking us what to say to their kids when they're, you know, misbehaving or something like that. And I think that's such a quick shortcut to what parenting is all about. And I think that the best, and it may seem cliche or it may seem cheesy, but really the best way to parent is to model the behavior that you want to see. And that can go in so many different directions. It could be, well, if you want your kids to be good readers, then make sure that they see you reading or if you want your kids to be good at regulating emotions and not fly off the handle in a way that negatively impacts oneself and those around you, then that's something we got to do. Or if you want your kid to grow up and, and have a good partnership with whomever they choose to love, then do your best to love the one that you're with as opposed to uh, just telling them what they need to do. So that's kind of my spontaneous off the top of my head definition of the art of parenting. And I love that in it. It really is instead of what to say, it's more how to be. Right. It is. Yeah. We get just bogged down with, in my judgment, the wrong stuff. We call our podcast Zen Parenting Radio and everybody thinks it's a parenting podcast, but it's not. It's really a self-awareness podcast. It's the cliche of having, you know, when you're on an airplane, put on your own mask first. It's hard to give somebody love if you can't love yourself. It's hard to give somebody patience if you don't have patience yourself. So it's really all about ourselves and it's not so much about the others. Beautiful. Thank you for that. And I would love if you could share with our listeners a little bit about yourself and your background and how you came to do the work that you're doing today. Sure. I've been doing a podcast with Kathy 
uh, and it's called Zen Parenting Radio. The reason we call Zen Parenting Radio is because when we started this thing, nobody knew what a podcast was. So we wanted to make sure that people knew that it was an audio platform. And since then, I've done a lot of different things. I'm the executive director and co-founder of an international men's organization called Men Living. And I'm also a one-on-one -on -one coach for guys. So that, in a nutshell, is the things that take up a lot of my time. And when you say a coach for guys or, or men living, how does that work into fatherhood? And especially, I mean, I'm, I'm always intrigued with coaches in especially the formative years of our children, like how do we step into that role and be, like you say, that supportive, loving, you know, trusting human being? Yeah, and it's tough. And, you know, maybe I'll like move the, the conversation a little bit directed towards men, but um, most fathers, in my judgment, derive their value. And I am a somebody who sometimes falls into this trap that my value is predicated upon my job or my value is predicated on how much money I make. And it's if you're in a heteronormative uh, straight relationship, we let the moms do most of the work and we just, you know, put put the food on the table. And I'm trying to deconstruct that narrative because I think us guys have a similar or even the same capability to be loving and nurturing and emotional, intelligent and emotionally agile to our children's needs. The problem is that we have been raised in a world that has lied to us. And what I mean by that is, you know, we get trapped in the man box and the man box is, you know, I'm only as good as how many sports trophies I have in my sports trophies cabinet, or I'm only as good as how many girlfriends I have or how much money I have. And there is a very narrow perspective on what it means to be a man who has shows up as a maturely masculine or a healthy masculine man. And that means we have to do, we have to be able to be in touch with our softer side. And most of us guys are just terrified of that. We're afraid to be vulnerable. And so it's just easier, easier for us to be stoic and continue to do our, our work and our, at our job and come home and let, you know, our partner take care of the rest. And so how, how do you coach these men to kind of change that, that paradigm? Because I, I, I fully agree with you and, and I hear it. I do feel though that younger generations of men are uh, more self-aware and maybe more in touch with their, uh, when you say softer side, I might equate it with feminine side, but uh, so, so, you know, that balance at least I mean, I, I feel I've raised one, one son, you know, he's a young adult now. And, you know, I do feel that he is definitely in touch with his uh, softer side and such. But how, how do we, how do we kind of retrain ourselves, I guess? How do we help men kind of retrain themselves? Yeah, it's a tricky balance. I'm glad you brought up the difference between masculine and feminine and male and female. Cause for me, my definition is I am a, I have masculine qualities and I have feminine qualities. Right. And my wife, Kathy has masculine qualities and feminine qualities. And we, we tend to equate those terms as male and female. And for me, they're not, um, we all have all of these things. And all you have to do is, you know, look at a three-year-old boy and he's really good at, being emotionally um, intelligent, emotionally literate. He, when he gets 
angry, he will stomp his feet on the floor or he'll, you know, do something to express that anger. If he gets sad, he'll cry. If he gets happy, he'll jump for joy. Uh, if he gets afraid, he'll get small and be really super alert. So we all have these qualities in us when we show up. And the problem is our society conditions that out of us. And how do we do it? To have, I mean, that's a great question. It's to have the conversation uh, with the guys. And, you know, usually when I'm coaching people, they're stuck somewhere, they're stuck. And we use whatever I use, whatever issue they happen to be stuck on and use that as kind of the, the on-ramp to deconstruct whatever it is that got them to the belief system that they're only as good as how much money they make or whatever. So it's kind of a, it's a journey, but I think the first thing that, that the guys that I work with need to do is to look at it. And most of us are not looking at it. Or we don't look at it very often. Instead, we numb out through exercise or we numb out through work or we numb out through beer or we numb out through Netflix or ESPN. And it's sometimes hard to get these guys to even look in the mirror and see how they've arrived at this place where they feel disconnected from their partner or they feel disconnected from their kids. So uh, I guess my long answer to your short question is, bring it up and invite vulnerability as a strength. I think vulnerability is one of the biggest strengths that I see in men. Like any man can be stoic because that's what we've been trained to do forever. Uh, very few of us can share deeply and vulnerably and really open our hearts up. And it's tricky. There's, you know, there's the alpha males and, you know, you talked about this new generation being a little bit more sensitive, which is awesome. I'm so glad for it. And we need that pendulum to swing in the direction of what are called the beta males. I don't know if you're familiar with that term, but no. it's like the, the, the curse of the good guy who's just okay with everything. And he does not stand in any power at all. He just kind of lets himself gets beat up by his boss, by his partner or anything like that. And it's this kind of it's this balance that we need to continue to navigate through because there's times when I do need to be a little bit more softer or gentler or feminine. And there's other times when I do need to be more alpha and stoic and determined and strong. And all I want for the guys that come into my circles is to be able to pause for just a second and decide which energy needs to show up in any particular moment. Because where we get in trouble is we use the wrong energy at the wrong time. You know, so there's times when we need to be really fierce and stoic and we get really soft and vice versa. So there's times when we just need to be gentle and loving and nurturing and we come out with guns blazing and it's just really tough. Yeah. And how do like the, those that you coach that might be raising sons, like what is your advice there of how to make sure that our our new generation of, of men are okay with being vulnerable, right? Because like you say, vulnerability is a strength. And but it, but at the same time, it's pretty scary to be vulnerable. I mean, I know, for myself, right, I'm, I'm a full grown woman. <laughs> and sometimes, you know, being vulnerable or accepting that there's something uh, going on can be can be scary, because it's uncharted territory. So how do we raise that next generation? And and I guess I don't necessarily think it's only boys. I think it's also the girls. Like it's, it's you know the the entire generation. But because you're you're focused on really the 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 men in our society, how do you help those fathers of sons 
kind of make sure that we're not repeating this generational, you know, expectations of us? Yeah, such a good question. Um, so first, I just need to like qualify, like, I am a coach of guys. And I also, you know, there's a soft spot in my heart for, you know, and it's, I'm sure that some of your audience will like scoff at this, but like, it, it is hard being a, a man, even though that, that we live in a man's world, all you got to look, all you have to do is look at, you know, the amount of fortune 500 CEOs are mostly men or look at Congress, it's mostly men, we do live in this male dominated world. Yet at the same time, you look into, you know, the blue collar, the middle class and below, the men and boys are getting left behind. Um, there's a guy uh, who just wrote a book named Richard, I'm, his last name is escaping me, but it's called Of Boys and Men. And it talks a little bit about how in 1971, when Title, I think it was Title IX, if you think that's what it was, showed up, there was um, like 25, 20 to 25% more males entering college. And now in 2023, the pendulum has swung the complete other way. And now there's like 15% more females um, entering college. And if you look at valedictorians, there's more females that are valedictorians than men, uh, than boys. So that's one thing. But I say that because it's not, it's not either or. It's not, are we going to take care of our boys or our, our sons or our daughters? It's both and. We, as a father of three daughters, I know that there's challenges that are presented in front of them because of their gender. And it's not easy. I, I see it. And, you know, the odds of them being assaulted, sexually assaulted on a college campus is, is much higher for my daughters than if I had three sons. So it's not either or, it's both and. But back to your question, how do we help these fathers raise these sons to be mature masculine men? I mean, there's a lot of different things, but the first one that comes for me is, I think as, as much as my parents tried their best to do, to guide me in a way, they passed a lot of their baggage down to me. And when I say baggage, I mean, not, not things that I should have to navigate, but I need to navigate because of how they showed up as parents. It doesn't mean they were bad parents. They did the best they could with what they had, but they passed down their baggage of, call it, you know, emotional abuse in the household or what insert whatever your baggage is from your parents. I think it's important to recognize what um, what bags got passed down to you from when you were a little kid and you were parented, because what we usually do is we fall. We don't we're not attracted to what's best for us. We're attracted to what's most familiar. And it requires some curiosity to say, does this really serve me? Does this behavior really serve me? Um, and I think that that's a really interesting first step. So then my job as a parent is to not pass along any of my baggage down to my kids. And that requires a lot of curiosity, self-reflection, self personal growth. So it's, it's a lot about that. It's just knowing what, what bags you were given and how to put those bags down and not pass them down to your kids. That's, that's one of the things I thought of, so. And, and it's, it's so true, but I, I have to reflect on the fact that we, sometimes I feel like we don't realize what baggage we have until we become parents. Right. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, oops, like it's, it's kind of too late. Like I always say, you know, the, the only instruction manual that we have for, for parenting is our own childhood. And, you know, some of it might have been great and some of it might not have been so great. And, and that whole 
self-awareness and process and, and, you know, um, is, is long, is arduous. And we don't always, you know, when we're parenting, we're kind of in, in the thick of it and, and, you know, having to, to deal with situations day to day. So, so to me, it also sounds like, you know, from what you were saying earlier about vulnerability is also just being self-aware and, and letting your child see you, you know, fail and see you, you know, get upset and be happy and be sad and, and, and so forth. Cause I, I actually, as you're talking, I don't, I have a father, he's, he's still alive, 90 years old. I don't think I've ever seen him cry. Yeah. Ever. There's so many stories like you that. Know? <laughs> and, and I'm realizing that as I'm talking to you, like, and, and, you know, I have a great relationship with him and he's, he's a wonderful human being, but I don't know as if I've ever seen him in a vulnerable moment. I know. And that's, uh, I, I, my heart goes out to your dad. He's navigating his world the best way he knows how. But I also know that it's kind of a human behavior to be able to express sadness through tears. And if, and if he's not doing that, maybe he's doing that behind closed doors, but my guess is he's probably shut that part of himself off. And uh, it, I ache for men like that. And, you know, just to kind of give you some, you know, really uh, interesting examples of the problem with the men in this world. Um, one in one in seven men in America don't have a single friend. Uh, as guys, we're three times more likely to overdose. We're four times more likely to die by suicide. We're twelve times more likely to be incarcerated. Um, the um, CDC just came out with some report, and it said uh, if, if given a choice between being a smoker with friends or being a non-smoker without friends, you're more likely to live longer if you're a smoker with friends. Which oh my is goodness. Completely <laughs> messed up, right? Oh, um, wow. And it's just this idea of isolation. And for most of us, it's easy to make friends when we're younger, but the older and older we get, it's for guys, it gets more and more difficult. I, I judge that um, our, my female partners out there have an easier time connecting deeply with their girlfriends and us guys have we talk about work and sports work and sports work and sports and we're isolated and the quality of our life is dependent upon the quality of our relationships and if our relationships are not that good then the quality of our life is not going to be that good and it's just um it's just it's a tough go at it that's all yeah no that's fascinating and it's true and i and i will say that for you know, for me being an older woman who moved to to the states, I was how was uh, how old was I? Thirty something. Um, it wasn't easy to make new friends, but I do I do have a few friends. I mean, yes. <laughs> well, it's not about quantity either. It's about yeah, yeah. quality, right? It's I mean, about quality. Yeah, definitely. You have one good friend that's better than twenty acquaintances, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I'm 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 just thinking of my husband. He does has some very deep quality friendship, but their friendship from childhood. Yeah, and I would say he's a beautiful outlier because that is not the case for most guys in my experience. Yeah, and when you're when you're talking and describing this, I, I have to say that it feels or it sounds kind of cultural too. I think it's it's it's. Uh, true in this country in the U.S. Um, because I'm I'm uh, half French and and it's true that I don't know I I'm not sure as if I would I guess equate all that you're saying necessarily with uh, European cultures. 
Yeah, and I, I claim ignorance. I, I know the stats and what goes on in this country. I don't pretend to know what it's like in France or anywhere else in the world, but I know that it's an, there's an epidemic of male loneliness in this country. And I would guess that there's it may be more extreme here than it is for other places, but I'm guessing it's probably more common than any of us want to think it is. Yeah, because as you're as you were talking, I'm I'm reminiscing on observing. Uh, have you ever been to Italy? No, but I'm going this fall because my daughter's oh, studying. Look at you. Yeah, I'm looking forward. To oh that. my goodness! Okay, so please, when you're there, just sit down, have a coffee, and just observe the people. Mm. Because it is such a pleasure to see this genuine, loving relationship that all generations have among each other. It's just to me, it you know, going to the market and just seeing you know, uh, men, older women, it just greet each other as if they hadn't seen each other in ages when you know that they, you know, saw each other the day before or just earlier that morning, and it's just, it's just beautiful to to observe so noted i got my homework when i go there in november yes definitely have a have a nice cappuccino and just observe <laughs> wonderful um so and anything else that you would like to kind of share with knowing that most of my listeners are uh parents of maybe younger children that that things that you would like advice that you would like to give them maybe? Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think back cause my daughters are 20, 18 and 15. So it's been a while, but, um, God, there's so many different ways I can go on this. I think a lot of times we tend to, especially when our kids are so young, we have to change our lives completely for the sake of our children. And in one way, like I would endorse that, but I, I see it go too far in a certain way where parents lose themselves through parenting. They lose their couplehood. They forget what it's like to be in love with their partner because they're too busy being moms and dads. So do whatever you need to do to maintain that electricity between you and your partner when you, because it's so easy for kids just to beat that out of us. To stay curious around uh, your children, they're here to teach you as much as we're here to teach them. At least that's my judgment. I remember my toddler walking to preschool with me one time, and it was just a few block walk. And uh, I'd be like, come on, we got we to we go, we got to go, we got to go. And she would stop and look at the ants and look at the sky and look at the clouds. So slow down and try to view the world from their perspective because it's a magical perspective problem is I would just get so darn busy and need to get to the next thing. I kind of missed out on it. So um, there's another phrase. I don't know who came up with it, but the days are long and the years are short. You probably heard that. And yes, the days are long and it does fly by. It's totally cliche. That's all you ever hear. So the more present and grounded and self-aware I am, the the slower time goes um and i'm not an expert at that i still lose days and weeks like what i thought it was i thought it was april and now here we are entering june like all that stuff yeah just stay curious and and just be a constant learner um even the obstacles that happen the all the parenting challenges that we have especially when they're toddlers uh and younger kids um it's a really really tricky time 
and just know that it's all here for our personal growth. You know, after you get frustrated and do all the things you need to do, just know that every obstacle is there to kind of help you become a better version of yourself. Yes, yes, beautiful. And and I like to remind parents that it is temporary, right? We're not we're not in this forever. So um so yes, beautiful. So you did mention you have uh, three daughters and your eldest is 20. If you were to go back maybe 21 years when uh, Kathy was pregnant and you two were expecting your first child, what wise words would you have liked to hear or would you tell yourself knowing all that you know today? Oh man, uh, such a good question. I was um, trapped by thinking my work was much more important than it was. So when I, when our baby, when our first daughter was born, Kathy's world l- turned literally upside down. Her body, her time, her sleep, her work life, everything turned upside down. Mine, I was in the hospital with her for a day and a half, and then I went back to work. And if I could go back, um, I would completely change what I did. I would support her and love her and support her uh, in any way I could during the pregnancy. And I did my best, but my best, honestly, if I looked at it, was not that good. Um, And then when the baby shows up, my uh, invitation for the dads out there who are partnered up with a woman love your partner. I mean, you're going to love your kid, even though they show up as like this meatloaf and they're like these (laughs) that can't little do anything that totally like start smiling and, you know, lifting their head up. Uh, It's tough to, it's tough to really connect. I found a very hard time connecting with my daughter when she was born. And I don't know if any of your male listeners will, uh, here will relate to this, but all my friends are like, Oh yeah, I was, I was a mess in the, um, delivery room. And I cried and I bawled. I saw my baby get born and I felt very numb. I did not feel much of anything. And then I started spiraling into some shame. Like, what's wrong with me? Because I'm supposed to have this my this world-altering reality the minute that my child showed up. And it didn't. I mean, I was happy, I guess, but I just was not nearly as moved as I thought I was going to be. So my advice to myself would be to have a little more self-compassion and not think it's supposed to go a certain way and just to love my partner and take much more time off of work and just do everything that I could to support Kathy as her world turned upside down um, in every way that it did. Mm, thank you for that. And and I think it is very important to remind parents that, you know, we need each other. So thank you for that. So thank you, Todd. This has been a delightful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to be here with us today. Thank you very much for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Art of Parenting podcast. And if you did, please share it with your loved ones and make sure to leave a review so it can get heard by many more. And remember, if you've got a question, let me know. I'm here for you. Till next time.